Welcome to the Death Dialogues Project Podcast. I'm your host, Becky Odd Jennison, and I can guarantee you that you will be a better human for listening to these stories. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for stopping in for this episode of the Death Dialogues Project podcast. I'm excited to share today's episode with you because it encapsulates so much of what I was hoping for when I started this project. Now, you won't find an influencer with a million followers on this episode. What you will find is a unique human, Brooke Hartman, with a multi-layered story surrounding death and how it informed her life. We start by hearing her articulately describing the process of a young child experiencing the death of her grandfather and then being in an environment where her family disintegrated in the throes of grief. This episode is one you want to share with anyone who has had a youngster experiencing loss. Not only did she share insight into what her process was like at the time, but how that experience has followed her throughout her life as she walked in the world on a day-to-day basis, and as she experienced much more loss and deaths. And one of the aspects of this podcast that I have found so very beautiful is listening to how Brooke has been opened by death and experiences a more expansive way of living as she acknowledges her emotional terrain surrounding end of life. And how digging into death, for one, listening to almost every episode of the Death Dialogues Project podcast has fortified her to have the complex conversations surrounding death with those she loves, and it pushed her interest into pursuing a career to be a hospice nurse. And sweetly, this episode was recorded some time ago, and I was listening to prepare for this week's release as I was returning from a solo retreat, the type I fondly refer to as enriching my inner grown-ass woman. And what do you know? I'm reminded of how Brooke has been inspired by that and took her own grown-ass woman solo trip when friends had canceled on a camping trip and what that meant to her. This grassroots journey of a project is fueled by the responses I get about how our offerings have supported people in their lives, and this episode is just that. And as I undertake my recording for the next year of episodes, Hearing the impact our project had on Brooke just reignited my fire and put the question of, is this project serving others to bed? Thank you so much for being here. Hello, Brooke. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I am too. So, you know, what it would be nice for our audience to hear is maybe where you're at in the world. And if you would just start with your story, that would be lovely. And we'll just chat from there if that's okay with you. Sounds great. Thanks. I am um, located in Indiana. I am actually, if you're familiar with Covered Bridge, I'm in Covered Ridge Capital, um, Rockville, Indiana. So um, that's where I'm at. Um, as far as my story, um, I became acquainted with death at a very young age. Um, when I was um, seven, my grandpa passed away from cancer. Um, and I just remember in those times um, 
before the family would have meetings with um, his kids. My dad has four siblings. And so um, they would all get together and meet and talk with the um, spouses and talk about what his wishes were and stuff like that. And I remember understanding that there was something going on, but not really understanding what was going on. And so um, I remember one day my dad kind of just pulled me aside and said, Grandpa's sick and he's not probably going to get better. And so, um, and then I was, um, I got off the bus one day in November um, and my mom and my dad pulled me aside and um, told me that he had died. Um, And I just remember you know, just feeling so very sad and not understanding how to process how sad I was. Um, I also remember feeling a large responsibility to be strong. And that was at seven even. And I'm, and I wonder where that came from. I'm not sure. It's not like my, my parents really like put that on me, but I just remember feeling like, oh, I need to be strong for them and, and not really, um, I guess, grieve. Um, And so, you know, we went through the, um, you know, the, the two day funeral type of thing, you know, visitation. And then we had the the big funeral, um, with the family dinner. I remember my aunt Connie saying, um, when she took me up to the casket, she would say, um, now just remember, this isn't Papaw, this is just a shell. And so I remember like almost thinking of him like a bug, you know, when you find the locusts or whatever. (laughs) And so that's just a shell, you know, and um, I was really awkward. I didn't want to touch the body or anything like that. And so um, I just, you know, basically I grieved as much as I could for being as young as I was, but I don't really feel like... um, I let myself as much as I should have because I was trying to be strong for everybody else. Um, And then as far as, you know, dealing with the grief of my family, um, my um, dad, he chose a not so great way to um, cope. Um, And so with that, he, um, he, he's an alcoholic. He's self-admittedly been an alcoholic since he was very young. Um, but he just, it just got worse. And so that was my grandpa's death was a catalyst to non-death related grief, which was my parents' divorce. Um, Mm. there was a lot of back and forth between, um, you know, they were together, they weren't together, they were together, they weren't together. And so it was a little unstable for a while. Um, and I don't even think both of them, that's not their goal. That wasn't their goal. You know, they loved us kids and they wanted to do the best by us, but at the same time they were trying to figure it out. And so, um, and then and how old would you have been around that time? Um, so grandpa died and then my parents had I filed for divorce the following year. So by oh, June, wow. he, he, he died in November and we're filing for divorce in June. Cause I remember my brother's birthday, it being a separate party for my, my little brother. So, um, so was it, was your grandpa, your father's father? Correct. Yes. Yeah. He, okay. Yeah. Um, Grandpa Doug was my dad's best friend. They worked together. Um, you know, they, they hunt together. They, they spent all their time together. My dad Mm -hmm. worshiped the ground my, my grandpa walked on. And so, um, and he was a great man. He played music, had a lot of fun. Um, you know, what I can remember of him, what's sad is I was just thinking about it the other day is I don't remember too much about him really, you know, but I was also very young. So, um, I, you know, I remember the music, I remember the laughter, 
but um, I don't really remember the man he was, you know, so. Mm. Um, but so, you know, um, my parents divorced and my mom, um, at first had custody of us. And then, um, she kind of started coping poorly, um, and started doing illegal drugs and stuff like that. And eventually gave us back to our dad, um, which, you know, led to, I think, feelings of, of abandonment, not necessarily, again, I realize all of us cope differently with things. And so I can't really blame her now, but at the time it was really rough, you know, cause I was, um, 11 when I went back to my dad. And so, um, I, you know, I needed a mom, <laughs> but she just wasn't mm-hmm. capable of taking care of us. So, um, my dad did it. And so, um, you know, with that, yeah, that was that story <laughs> as far as um, non-grief related, uh, non-death related grief. Um, mm-hmm. If you fast forward a few years, I um, was a junior in high, or excuse me, a sophomore in high school, and two of my classmates passed away uh, in a car crash. And that was our first, or my first feeling of, oh, I'm not immortal, <laughs> you know, like eventually mm-hmm. something's going to happen and I'm going to you know, leave this earth. And so, um, you know, trying to process those feelings and also, um, be good at remembering them, you know, um, they, we were in school together for, you know, 10 plus years. So it was one of those things where, how do you, how did I do that? Well, you know, do, did I do grieving with that? Well, for them. Um, and I've always been the type of person who, um, I guess, kind of feels other people's feelings, I guess. So, um, Mm -hmm. I, I always would, you know, my thought was myself, but then also the people that affected most, you know, the, their families and stuff like that. So, um, and just trying to be sure that as a class and then as a person myself processing and helping their families with that as well. So, um, Got a little bit of a helper inside you. It sounds like, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> try to yeah. try to be helpful. I guess. Um, let's see. Sorry, I apologize. Um, when I was a senior in high school, um, my my grandma, which was my mom's mom, um, she passed away unexpectedly of a heart attack. Um, so. Um, again, my mom, she was just trying to, to process that and, and do the best she could by then, you know, she was in our lives again and, and doing well, but grandma, grandma's death kind of, um, gave her a setback a little bit. Um, and, and then just a couple months after my grandma Sonny's death, um, my friend's mom passed away, uh, tragically in a motorcycle accident. And mm-hmm. again, it was one of those things where, um, you know, she was active in our church. She was, you know, she was kind, she was funny. Um, you know, all of those things that make her a great mom. Um, and then just knowing how hard it was for my friend and knowing, um, that he, you know, would never have that relationship with his mom just really affected me. Um, and I, again, wanted to help my friend have the tools to be able to, to process his grief, but in the same breath, just 
didn't. Um, I didn't really have great teachers to tell, to tell me how to grieve. I don't know if I mentioned it or not, but my, um, any time my dad's, um, the anniversary of my grandpa's death came up. It was like, I dreaded that day. Cause I just remember it being such a hard time. It was right at Christmas or it was November 17th is when he passed. And so it was Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. Christmas, and that's a hard time of year for anybody anyway. And so, and then you add the fact that you're grieving on top of it and it just made him such a bear. And I remember just hating the anniversary day coming up because I knew he would just be so difficult. Um, and you know, never, never abusive or anything like that, but definitely just difficult to get along with and, and that kind of thing. So it was one of those things where when it got close to that time of year, I spent a lot of time in my room, (laughs) spent a lot of time, you know, walking on eggshells and stuff like that. So, um, and so when it came time for, um, my friend's mom, when he passed or when she passed, you know, I wanted to be able to help him, but I didn't, I didn't know how to grieve well, anyway, I didn't really have great teachers, so I didn't know how to help him grieve. And so he's, um, you know, rightly so still has a hard time with that. And, um, that was in 2004. So, um, Mm. and you know, she she was such a great lady. I, I see, um, her grandkids, you know, like I mentioned, we went to church together and stuff like that. So, um, and it's interesting to see or to wonder, what type of um, relationship those kids would have with, with uh, my friend's mom. So their grandma, Um, I I, would be interesting to see, you know, who they would become because of her, because she was such a good person. So. Um, Yeah. It's sad. The, the many layers of loss in in terms of that, that's interesting. You know, you lose, even though you didn't even know these little beings were going to exist, you know, there's a loss there and what they're going to have in their lives. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, um, so as of recently, we've had a couple of, um, losses that were kind of close. Um, in November of, um, 2019, my mom's dad passed away. Um, and it, we knew it was coming. He had spent um, some time on hospice. I remember getting the call from my grandma saying, oh, grandpa's in the hospital. Um, you know, basically they don't live close. They live about two hours away. So she said, don't worry about coming today. He's not even going to be able to go home yet. So um, I went ahead and spent the day. Um, my son, my stepson plays football um, for one of the colleges. So I went to his game and then I went to go made sure stuff was ready around home. And then I went to see grandpa, um, and just being in the room with him when, when they gave him his information, you know, he had an aneurysm that was not operable and he had cancer. And so, you know, did they want to prolong life with can- uh, cancer treatments and stuff like that? And he just chose not to. So he went home with hospice. Um, and so he spent, I guess he got out, like October 1st or 2nd, and he was gone by November 25th. So his was really mm-hmm. quick. Um, my grandma, um, you know, she was a great nurse. <laughs> Even though she wasn't a nurse, she was a great nurse. Um, spent, you know, pretty much every moment by his side. Um, and when he passed, um, you know, that kind of took the wind out of my sails a little. <laughs> um, because he... Grandpa and grandma's house was my respite. You know, they were the place where it was, 
quiet and, and easygoing. And, um, they just, you know, always comforting, uh, never harsh, never, you know, they were grandparents. So, um, they were a lot of fun. And so when he passed, you know, it was one of those things where I, I guess I lost our comfort. We lost our comfort. We lost our peace basically. And so, um, but because of all of that, um, you know, it just got me thinking, um, about, you know, basically what I'm doing with, you know, my life and stuff like that. And so, um, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought there for a second. I apologize. Um, you know what I was going to be doing with my life and stuff. Um, I did want to mention that, um, you had talked about, um, with your brother, how, um, you guys kept him in home and stuff like that. And I would have loved to been able to do that with my grandpa. Of course, that wasn't his wishes though. Um, mm-hmm. and so basically he, his body, um, or he went straight to the crematory and then the funeral was, um, just like pictures and videos and stuff like that. It wasn't anything actually, um, the body wasn't there you know, there was no casket or anything like that. It was just pictures and stuff. And so, um, but I did think my grandma did the, one of the coolest things I've heard in a long time with people doing, um, about death. And that was that she went ahead and washed his body and prepared him for the crematory. And, um, my, you know, a lot of people think that's odd and I just keep thinking, you know, no, that's not odd. That's, that's how we used to do it. You know, that's, that's, Mm -hmm what we naturally used to do. And then, you know, when we wanted to start specializing everything, you know, we started sending people to the funeral home and letting them do it. And so I was just, I was thankful that she had that moment with him. And, um, I know my mom, she really struggled with, um, the fact that she didn't get to say goodbye to his physical body. Um, but my, my grandma did honor my grandpa's wishes. So, you know, I was, I was thankful for that. Um, um, and then so here, it's beautiful that they apparently had the conversations and yes. so many people don't do that. Yes. I was thankful for that. Um, actually when, when we had gone to the hospital, my grandma and I ran to the grocery real quick to get some stuff for him at home. And, um, I said, grandma, you know, do you, do you and grandpa have a plan and that kind of thing? Because I had started really, I guess, immersing myself in, in, death culture and stuff like that. And so, mm-hmm. um, I just, you know, I did ask the question and I, and I'm not a prying person. I don't like to just ask questions to ask them. So, um, when I did that, she was surprised and she was caught off guard, but she said, no, you know, me and Frank have our plans and this is what we're going to do. And so I was thankful for that. Um, <laughs> now for me, it's just getting the courage to ask people about their advanced directives <laughs> and making sure they right. have those, you know, those people in place that if they can't make their decisions for themselves, that they can. So that that's my goal now is to be able to, you know, I guess be bold about that because I'm getting bolder about asking people if they know what they want about their deaths. Um, my, my stepsons always say, why do you, why do you ask us? Why do you tell us about this stuff all the time? And, um, I'm like, because I don't ever want you to ever have a question on whether or not you honored me in the way that I would, I would wish to be honored. And so, you know, my husband and I have had that, um, talk and, um, I, I told him I, we have a pastor out in our backyard and I said, you know, if you could, 
we could get it zoned correctly for me to be able to be buried in the back pasture, I would love it. <laughs> so neither mm-hmm. of them are too keen on that idea, but <laughs> but that's my goal. So who knows? <laughs> um, I hear you. <laughs> well, and you've had such experiences of these different ages of people dying too. I would imagine that accentuates for you the need to get these plans together because you don't know when it could happen. Right. And, um, so, and then my most recent, you know, kind of brush with death and just, uh, you know, grieving, um, my, my best friend lost her dad and, um, it was so hard because it was unexpected. There was no lengthy illness. He was sick one day and gone the next. And so, Mm. um, it's, it was really, really, you know, Again, it just kind of knocked the wind out of your sails. And so um, my daughter is also close to my best friend's kids, of course. And um, it was so sweet to see her be such a comfort. And she's, you know, getting used to my prying questions about like, oh, what do you want to do when you die or something like that? So, you know, she never she never even batted an eye. You know, she was just there for both the kids and, you know, just loving on them and letting them know Um that she cared and that they could say whatever they needed to say at that moment. And she was safe. So I, I really, I was proud to see that, but at the same time sad because it meant that she had to be. Um, so, so right now we're just trying to be there for our friends. I send her a text every day. Um, whether it be something silly, just letting her know I'm thinking about her. Um, and I try not to say all the, you know, oh, this happens for a reason or, oh, he's in a better place. Or I actually um, had got her one of the cards from um, Grief is a Sneaky Bitch um, that yeah. talked about how I promised to punch them in the face for you. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, that's, that's um, a little bit of my story. I, I know I kind of went over things fast. I, I'm not sure. Um, it does, it would do me good to mention that, um, like I said, in, in late 2019, I became a little fascinated with death. Um, fascinated. Um, I think all of us are fascinated. I think, you know, there's the, that's the reason the TV shows are the way they are and stuff like that is because it's the elephant in the room that nobody wants to address. And so, mm-hmm. um, and so, um, but I guess I actually you know, started studying and becoming a student, maybe. Um, I stumbled across Ask a Mortician on YouTube um, and started just, you know, learning and forming opinions. I found your podcast through um, Ask a Mortician um, and just talking about death culture. And I have to tell you, all of these little stories that I, you know, all the stories I've heard, I think I've listened to every episode or I'm pretty close. I think there's a few I might have skipped from early 2019 is that when you started or was it 18 it was late 2018 yeah yeah so I think I might have missed your first couple um I think I listened to your first Mm -hmm. one and then I like kind of skipped to more current but um you know I have about a 40 minute drive to work every day and it's perfect because I can listen to these stories and just hear you know that we all such a common, you know, death is such a common thread. No one's going to escape earth without dying. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I think it was mentioned here recently that, you know, why not, you know, 
people say, why me? Why me? Why me? But why not me? You know, there's nothing special about me. You know, like I said, some, everybody has death in their life. Um, I don't, I don't feel special because I've had a few that have been really close and that have hurt more than others, but I'm thankful for people who don't have that problem, but at the same, or not problem, that's not what I mean. Um, they, they don't have that experience, but I'm also um, sad for them because there is so much to learn about life through death. And so, um, I don't know, that's kind of what I think about that. Um, I am thankful that... Well, I want to thank you for being such an extraordinary listener. That's <laughs> That's beautiful, but I hear what you're saying. You've become a student. You've really immersed yourself in these conversations. That's beautiful. Now, do you think that was part of your grieving process? Like making up, because I I keep hearkening back, you know, to this, this um, fact that your grandfather was your first greatest loss. And you didn't feel like you grieved that. Yeah. Really, that you were trying to be strong. Yeah. Um, I do think it was part of it. I think, you know, just I'm, I'm very, I enjoy education. I enjoy um, learning about things and just, so, you know, that's part of my personality, but I, yeah, I guess you could say that it is, it was a part of learning, learning what's okay to grieve and learning that I don't, you know, I'm allowed to say that I'm not having a good day or that I'm sad or that, and that I don't owe anybody anything for feeling that way. Um, I mean, I don't, I shouldn't live in my emotions. Um, but and what I, what I mean by that is I, I can't let them dictate to me how I'm going to treat people and stuff like that. And so, um, but I, I can say and should say that it's not a good day for me. I don't feel good, you know? And so, um, and I was just thinking here recently that I'm thankful for love because I feel like love has definitely helped me heal in that. Um, when the anniversary day of my grandpa comes up, sometimes I even miss the day because for so long, I would say 25 plus years, um, anytime that day came up, I was, you know, it was, it was, I was mindful. And I don't mean it now that I'm thankful that I forget the day it happens, but I think I'm thankful that, I'm not worried about people's reactions to the day anymore. And so I'm, you know, I'm thankful that love has helped heal that in me um, so that I'm not so concerned about, Oh, it's November 17th, you know? So, and um, my, my dad and his siblings have kind of developed this thing where they go to his grave, my grandpa's grave and um, take a shot of hot dam, which was one of my grandpa's favorite things. And I'm thankful that my dad has kind of found those ways to remember his dad and, and grieve the loss of his dad and still remember. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that they do that. (laughs) Um, so, um, it's, it's been good to see my dad heal that way too. Yeah. I I was just going to say, it's interesting, you know, how much of that, those early years or earlier years of him, um, having great difficulty around his father's anniversary of his death. Yeah. Maybe, maybe was part of his process. That's just now with having a tradition or a ritual of sorts has been eased. But I did want to comment. I want, Uh I want to say, first of all, you know, honor your unique um, perspective that you have 
being open to death and discussions surrounding death and also being inside you, there's a seven-year-old that knows what that feels like and, you know, what it felt like to, to have those emotions, but not really be able to express them. And I did just want to comment, not wanting to try to sound totally sound therapist hat here, but it doesn't surprise me when you give your family history, a bit of your family history about that desire to be strong for everybody else. Because when you have that kind of walking on eggshells, like you Uh described, like you don't know, like if there's a substance, you know, alcohol, substance use, whatever, you know, rage, Uh whatever. In our little minds, Uh you know, there's part of us that's like, I got to keep it together. So it's not my stuff that makes this happen. You know, I've got to, um, so that doesn't surprise me. And I'm so happy to hear that through your growth, you know, mm-hmm. that you've, you know, because it is, you, you know, like you're talking about the deep feelers when you come from a childhood like that, where you have, um, you know, and let's face it, you know, all of, all of us as parents, we struggle and we yeah. have times that we're less well and yes. that we cope less effectively. Right. And, yeah, exactly. but I think, you know, I, I have that kind of a childhood as well. And, you know, I think the one thing that we do when we grew up that way is, yeah, you know, if we want to be very binary about it, we either fall into that pattern of living the same way, or we say, by gosh, I'm doing it differently. Yes. And, you know, yeah. we're very, very mindful about doing it differently. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it sounds like that's the steps you've, you know, that you, you know, I just kind of am just envisioning just like all of these lessons floating around you that, you know, not only the deaths, but then the foundation you had to deal with things emotionally. doesn't surprise me that you have those big feeling characteristics, you know, that you feel big for other people. Yeah. I never, I guess I never really thought about it You're going to channel that. that into work with other people. Is that it? Yeah, so um I so right before my 34th birthday, I took a solo trip. Um, you know, what is it you say you're being a grown ass woman? Is that what you say? Yep. Being <laughs> a grown ass woman. Yep. <laughs> so, I took a grown ass woman trip to um St. Joseph, Michigan. Um it started out I wanted to go just because I love the beach. Um and I couldn't make it to Florida, so I was going to invite some of my girlfriends to go with me and not a one could go. And that's because it wasn't meant to be like that. So, I went and I spent some time on the beach there at St. Joseph's and just listened to I uh, was an audiobook at the time and fell asleep in my little tent and just enjoyed myself and, you know, did a lot of self-reflecting. And um, I got a purpose to go back to school and help uh, with advocacy for other people and help others know their rights concerning death. Um, and then I want to be a hospice nurse. So I um, got back into school and I was accepted to our, my community college's um, ASN program. And so that starts August 24th and I'm so excited and nervous and scared and all of the emotions that come along with that because, you know, I do work full time. (laughs) So, and I'm going to have to drop back to part time. So, um, but you know, if, if I'm brought to it, I'll be brought through it. So that's how I feel about it. So, um, I'm excited. I'm, I think I'm surprised that how well I did. I, 
I raised my GPA to from almost like a 2.5 to a 3 already and made the dean's list and stuff like that. So I was excited. So I can't wait to awesome. get started on that kind of stuff. So. That's um, huge. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I love this. I love how you've, you know, there's a real morphing that's happened here, isn't yeah. there? Just yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something. And congratulations for having the, um, that motivation and that desire rather than canceling your trip when others couldn't go to yeah. get your grown ass woman on and get out there. <laughs> you know so. what? I actually think I'm going to plan them annually just so that I can remember um, who I am. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm more than a mom and a wife and now a student and, you know, a worker and a coworker and, you know, a member of my church and stuff like that. You know, there's, there's a person that thinks and feels and has bigger ideas and feelings and just, everyday stuff. And so I'm, I'm thankful for it. And yeah, I think I'll do it again. I recommend people doing it again, or I recommend people doing it. I hear people say all the time, I don't think I could do that. I'm like, you, I bet you could, because you don't, you get to be the one that chooses a restaurant where you go, you get to choose what you do. It's great. And I'm with you. I think, you know, you have to have that kind of space. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe you can make it within your home, but you know, I think you have to be very mindful of taking some me space for yeah. those little insights and reflections and yeah. messages, if you will, you know, about, okay, try this, maybe it's time to try this now yeah. for those to be able to float up when we stay so busy, 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 or yeah. we keep our mind busy. And maybe that is even just scrolling on our phone, you know, yeah. maybe that's yep. not really physically busy, but right. when we have our head full of other things, we're not opening up to what, um, you know, what, what whatever your belief system is, I'll just say the universe to make a broad, yeah. you know, we're not yeah. opening up to the messages that maybe are being sent our way. Right. Um, yeah. I'm so glad you listened. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. So um, what would you tell people who, um, I, I want to just get back to that seven-year-old question. Uh-huh. Now, in hindsight, having gone through that as a child, yeah. what, what would be some different ways maybe that you would handle that same situation as the adult with the child? Um, I think I would make sure that I said it out loud as many times as it needed to be said that grief is okay. Um, Mm. and that it's not your job as a child to worry about me as an adult. And again, my parents never said those things out loud to me. They never said, don't grieve because I'm grieving. They, that was just how I handled it. And so, but I would say it out loud because I, you know, sometimes they need the reassurance. I see a lot of, um, me and my daughter in that she is very, um, empathetic and she's, you know, she's a big feeler too. And so, um, every once in a while I'll just stop and say, you know, Ariel, it's completely okay to feel the way you do right now. Like you're a kid, feel that way, feel those feelings. It's okay. And so, um, I, when my grandpa passed away, I, you know, I kind of had a moment where I did let myself grieve completely, without worrying about 
how my husband felt, how my daughter felt. And Kevin said, Brooke, Ariel is worried about you. And so I had to like take a step out of my, you know, allowing myself to grieve that hard and to tell her, let me worry about me and you can grieve too. Like, it's okay. I mean, she's a little Mm -hmm. bit older than I was at the time, but she definitely um, was very mindful of me and making sure that I was okay. And I'm like, but you still need to be able to process, you know, grief from your great grandpa. So, um, you know, she had interactions with him a handful of time, you know, handful of times, um, mostly when she was younger. So stuff she wouldn't necessarily remember, um, just because I let life get busy. And so I didn't make the trip, the two hour trip as frequently as I should have. Um, but, but when we did know that he was passing, I made sure to make several trips with her so she could, I mean, at least get to, get to know him because I wanted her to be able to have that foundation of who he was. So, so these messages of, um, yeah, like, like it's, I love that, that you're talking about if you're, if you're breaking down because mm-hmm. of an intense grief as an adult, mm-hmm. um, talk about it with yeah. them so they know you can, you know, I like that. And stuff. I saw a little girl, there's a viral thing going around now about a little girl that did a talk about uh-huh. what grief was like. And she said, yeah. um, I think it was talking to a counselor who said, you know, I can, I can be crying. I can cry and I can play, you know, yeah. so oh, that, yeah, that yeah. your children get that role modeling of, yeah. you know, mom, mom can totally break down and I have to really be alone or cry and I can still be happy and love you. Yeah. You know, yeah. those messages. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, I had listened to, and I don't, I'm not even sure that the gal's name now, but, um, she was talking about how, um, grief is love, um, squaring up to its oldest enemy, which is death. And so, um, which isn't always necessarily the case. Grief comes in different ways, but I loved the imagery that she gave to that because, um, it really helped me understand that just because I, am sad, I can also be happy at the life that person lived and also be, um, you know, mindful of them often and stuff like that, you know? So, um, I was, I wanted to share with you. Um, I know that you often ask if people have interactions or if they feel like persons communicate with them from the other side. And, um, my grandma had shared with me, she said, Brooke. And I said, what? She called me early in the morning and she said, um, I was just really having a hard time um, with grandpa's death and I, you know, I was praying and, and all of a sudden I got a message on my phone and she said, I know it was an old one, but, um, it was a voicemail and all it said was, it's me. And, um, she was so excited because she said, I know that so we're Christian. And so she said, I know that he's in heaven, that it it was an old message and, um, all that stuff. But she said, I am just so thankful that it came through. And, um, she said, you don't think I'm crazy, do you? And I said, no. And I said, why does it have to be that it's an old message? Um, and so, (laughs) and so she, I, you know, she didn't even think about it at that time because again, you know, 
sometimes we get stuff beat in our head and, and so we're like, Oh, it can't be this way. But, um, I think there's just so much more to things than what we'll ever know and be able to write in books and stuff like that. And so, um, but I was just thankful that she shared that with me because, um, I've, you know, I've always had the thought that if I, you know, red birds, cardinals and stuff like that, if you see those, that means someone in heaven's thinking about you. And so anytime I see a cardinal, I take a minute and just say thank you because I'm like, oh, wonder who's thinking about me today. And sometimes it's been associated with thinking of someone, you know, whether it be Grandpa Frank or um, Grandpa Doug or somebody like that, but, or, um, you know, friends that have passed and stuff. So, and just thinking of them or, you know, or their families and just, you know, noticing that they're there and taking the time to notice, I guess, basically, um, being thankful for it. So beautiful. So how is your heart these days as far as all of these losses you've been through? Um, well, with my, with, so the, my grandpa being the closest one, um, it, it's, you know, it's, we're still healing. Um, but it's, it's not a, I guess it's not rough every day, but there's rough moments. I um, just went up and took my daughter to visit with my grandma. She's, she's spending the week with her right now. And so um, when I went up there here recently, going to their house, because she's getting ready to move and seeing all of basically her stuff packed away and stuff like that. And just know, knowing that he's not there um, is really hard. Pulling in their driveway, not seeing his truck, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. That, you know, those are kind of triggering. When we went back to the house the first time, right after the funeral, I had to excuse myself to the bathroom because um, <laughs> I was not holding it together. And um, my grandma is just very, very, very private. And so she wants to grieve privately. And so um, I had to make sure because she didn't, she didn't want to break down. And so I had to excuse myself for a minute because I didn't want to cause her to have to do that. So, um and I mean, I, you know, I always tell her when I'm talking to her on the phone and stuff like that, you know, grandma, it's okay. You can, um, you can say whatever you need to say or do whatever you need to do. And she's like, I know, I know. She said, you calm me down. She said, so I don't really feel like I need to get that upset. But, um, I, you know, I wish that she would also understand that, you know, if you let it out and you're mad about it or you're not mad about it or however you want to feel about it, that's okay. That's, that's what I'm here for. So. But, um, definitely, like I said, having those moments where you go back and you see that they're not there anymore and stuff is hard. Um, but I have a lot of great memories of my grandpa and his laugh. And right now, um, I'm, you know, it's, it's not been so long that I can't picture it or hear it and, you know, hear it in my mind. So I'm thankful for that. Um, so we're doing, I'm doing good. Ariel's doing good. Um, Kevin wasn't super close, but I mean, you know he had a hard time because I had such a hard time. So but we're good. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, your love never dies. That's the thing that, right. that just is, you know, everybody finds comfort and, you know, something different. But for me, um, when you hear these stories and yeah. hear that intense connection, that just always really comes forward for me. It's yeah. Yeah, those connections, they just, they don't got, they don't die. No, they don't. And like, I remember hearing 
couple people talk about how just being in nature makes them feel so much more at mm. peace and so much more comfortable. And so, and that has definitely been the case with me. I, I, I think it's water in general. We live right by a lake uh, here in, here in Indiana, but um, you know, spending any time on the lake, on our boats, um, you know, going to a creek and listening to the stream or um, going to the ocean and listening to the waves roll in. It's always so, so, so calming. And so, and just being appreciative and, and thinking of all of those people and enjoying um, my memories of them and stuff like that is, is it's big. And so, and it also is, you know, it, it offers peace and comfort even when, when you might be processing it more difficultly. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but I definitely, I hear you. I feel the same way. And I don't know if you've heard, but there's research even coming out about like being on the earth in ground, Mm -hmm. what they call grounding and, you know, like the energetic properties probably that are coming from, um, being on ground with bare feet or sitting on the ground and, Yes, um, I actually, yeah, was, you, go sorry, on. Yeah. I was no. just talking to my daughter about that. Um, I said, Ariel, um, we were outside planting flowers or something like that. And I said, Ariel, I guess there's a study that says that it makes you feel better. And that's the best way I knew how to, you know, say it to her mm-hmm. to, to, to be outside with bare feet and stuff like that. And so every once in a while I catch her and she's outside with no shoes on and stuff. And, um, she likes, she said, mom, I didn't realize how much I love planting flowers and, you know, gardening and stuff. And so I said, well, you know, we'll we'll just have to make sure we do it. She said, it makes us feel better to smell the earth and and touch the earth. And I said, I think so too. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, and when you hear like people that come back from, um, near death experiences Uh and, or people that feel like they've connected, you know, to messages from the beyond or just people in general, nature always comes up. Nature always comes up about recommendations to just be in nature. And yeah, I think it's beautiful that your little girl's picking up on that. Obviously you're helping her understand that, but the fact that she can articulate how that feels, it's beautiful. Yeah. How old is she? Um, she's 12. She'll be 13 in December. So, um, we're just now getting into where we might start button heads, but, um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I did tell her the other day, I said, when did you become such an annoying teenager? It was about her phone. I couldn't get her to come out of the house. She couldn't find her phone. So (laughs) she kind of just laughed at me and said, mom, (laughs) So, but she's good. I'm, I'm thankful for her and, and my stepsons, they're good too. So beautiful. So how long is your nursing program? How long will it take? Um, so it's four semesters, but we have to go this, the summer semester. So I will be done, um, in December of 21 and I'll, I'll actually walk the graduation ceremony in, um, May of 22. May of 22. Okay. I'm going to make a note of that. And then after you've had some practice experience under your belt, I'd love for you to come back and give us, give us some insight into how that fits into your story now at that time. Right. Yes. So, okay. Well, it's been a delight to have you on here. Are there any last words you'd like to leave us with? Um, not that I can think of just love each other. Well, I guess. (laughs) Yes. 
Well, that's very wise words. Thank you so much, for Brooke, for being with us today. I've loved Our- this conversation. I've loved getting to know your family a little bit and um, that you've welcomed us into hearing your stories of loss and grief. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Good care. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us today. We'd love for you to get further connected with our project. You can find the links in the podcast information. You can also find the Death Dialogues Project on Facebook, on Instagram, and at www.deathdialogues.net. Take good care and see you next time.